there was a guy who was an engineer, fell in love with this girl, and they started dating, and they got uh, really involved, and they, they got engaged, and unfortunately, his job called him away from Tennessee, which is where they were, to go to Ireland to work on this project. And so he moves to Ireland. This is before they get married. And he's writing his girl all the time and, uh, about his thing. But he makes it, he makes, it just seems like he's maybe getting a little distracted. And so he does comment to her. He says, you know, honey, I just want you to know that, you know, there's a lot of beautiful Irish girls here. And, uh, but I, I'm still focused on you. I'm, I'm, I'm not straying. I'm going to stay here focused on you. But there are some pretty Irish girls here. And so she says, you know, I'm kind of really getting worried about you having these, these uh, Irish girls. And, you know, I, I hope this can make it. And, he, he, and she says, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to send you a harmonica. And so whenever you find yourself getting distracted by those beautiful Irish girls, I want you just to play the harmonica. So she sends him a harmonica. And he writes her back. And he says, honey, I love the harmonica. I practice it every day. I play it every day. I'm, I'm really practicing this harmonica really good. Really learn how to play it. Well, the two years go by, and they say, okay, time, we're going to send you back to Tennessee. So first thing he can, he hops on the plane, going to go back, meet his girl, gets on the plane, flies back to Tennessee, gets off the plane, and he, he's coming off, and he, and he sees his girl, and, and he's waving, and it's like, hi, and he comes up, and, she, and he's getting ready to hug her, and says, wait, before you hug me, let me hear that harmonica playing. Y'all got to think about it. You see, he kept telling her he was playing the harmonica. She wanted evidence that he had learned to play the harmonica. So she said, before you give me a hug, let me hear some tunes on that harmonica. Because here's the thing. Man, that just kind of fell flat. Okay, here's the thing. (laughs) It is one thing to say something. It's another thing to do something, right? Because we can say whatever we want to say. So he could say to her, I am learning the harmonica, baby. I am playing it. But she wanted evidence that he could really play that harmonica because just because you say something doesn't mean it's true, right? Again, we can all say, I have a million dollars in the bank. Doesn't mean it's true, right? Uh, So again, those things doesn't mean it's true. I I heard a comedian the other day was saying that he became a doctor really quickly. He was filling out a form for American Express and it had Mr. and it had doctor. So he said, well, I'll just check off doctor. So, uh, you know, and so he said he ran up the card uh, to its max. And so when American Express called him, they say, is Dr. Lollard there? And uh, he, so he decided he would play secretary and say, no, Dr. Lawler's not here right now. He's in surgery. Can I have him call you back? Anyways, he goes through comedy routine. In other words, you can say anything. You can say you're a doctor. You can say you got a million dollars. You can say anything. And that's what John's been talking about in this letter is he's talking to Christ followers, but he's warning us in chapter 1, for example, in, in chapter 1, verse 6, he says, you can say you have fellowship with God, but if you're walking in darkness, if you're living in habitual, willful sin, you're simply a liar. And, and he said in, in, in verse 9 of chapter 1, we talked about, or chapter, verse 8, he says, look, you can say that you have no sin. In other words, you can say that, you know, sin's not involved in your life or you've, you, you know, and things like that, but you're, you're, you're lying. And, and then again in verse 10, he says, you can say that you haven't sinned. You can say, oh, I don't have a problem. I, I've never really had a struggle and things like that, but you, the word of God is not in you. And John is saying to them, you can say anything you want. The bottom line is, where is the evidence? Where is the evidence? Same, same with the Christ life. I mean, a lot of people will say, 
you know, people say, are you a Christian? And, uh, you know, and, and it's funny when you ask somebody that. I, I had a conversation, shared the gospel with somebody this week. And, and you, you say, you know, are you a Christian? And, and you'll get things like, well, I believe in God. Okay. Or uh, I keep the Ten Commandments. Or my grandpappy was a minister. Or I grew up in the church. And, and see, a lot of times people, you know, they'll, they'll say, oh, I'm a Christian. But when you ask them, so tell me, how do you know you're a Christian? You start wondering, where is the evidence? That's, look, look, if you grew up in church, that's wonderful. That's no evidence that you're a Christian. That just means you had a drug problem. Your parents drug you to church every day, okay? That's really what it meant. It just meant you had a drug problem growing up. All right, you can say you grew up in church. You can say grandpappy's a preacher, but that doesn't mean anything, all right? Uh, you, you, you can say that you keep the Ten Commandments, which nobody does. Let's get real, okay? Uh, everybody's been guilty of breaking the, you know, we're just going to go back to the Ten, you know, and Jesus puts it even a bar higher. So, I mean, you can say those things, but where is the evidence? And that's what John is saying, is you can say anything. So I want you to take out your Bibles. We've been traveling through First John, so I think you all know that. You hopefully have a bookmark in your Bible there. First John chapter 2 is where we're at. Because here's the deal. I don't really care if you walked an aisle. I don't really care if you, the evangelist came to town and you prayed a prayer. I don't really care if your grandpappy was a minister. I don't really care if you believe in God. I want to know what's the evidence. And, 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 and maybe right now you're watching on Facebook or whatever this morning. And, and um, you know, I'm going to challenge you. Where's the evidence that you're truly a believer? And we're going to look at some of the evidences of a true believer here in John chapter 2, 1 John chapter 2. What's the evidence in your life? And maybe you're a Christ follower. Maybe you say, no, I know I'm a believer, but you're really struggling with salvation. Well, John is writing this letter to say, look, I don't care what you say. I'm writing this letter. In fact, the word you're going to see throughout the letter of 1 John is no, K-N-O-W. You see that a lot. And John's saying, I'm writing this letter, and I, I want you guys not to go about the say thing. I want you to know that you're believers, and I want you to know what the evidence looks like. So 1 John chapter 2, I'm just going to give you the first point. Here, let me give you three evidences this morning, I think, in this passage. First evidence that you truly are a follower of Christ is you keep His commands. You keep his commands. Look at verse uh, 3 here. He said, this is how, this is how we are sure. All right, so here's the deal. As a Christ follower, if you're a Christ follower, you don't need to go through life saying, I don't know if I'm going to heaven. Am I going to heaven? Am I not going to heaven? John says, this is how we are sure that we have come to know him. Here's how we're sure. By keeping his commandments. Now again, there's that word know. You're going to see it a lot in the passage. You might want to circle it. John just keeps talking about how we can know, how we can know, how we can know. But he says how we can know something. You know, when you know something, it gives you confidence. It gives you leverage. You, you feel bold in it. And John's like, I don't want you walking around like mamby-pamby people. I, 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 and I don't care what you say. I want you to know whether or not you're Christ followers. And one of the things is you keep his commands. Now the question is, what are those? I mean, there were 613 commands, all right, which nobody could keep. That was the whole point. Nobody can keep all the commands. What is he talking about? Keep his commands. Well, I think we go back to what Jesus said. He said this. Some, uh, a teacher, um, uh, a scribe was trying to get, a uh, lawyer was trying to get Jesus in the corner. He said, teachers, which command in the law is the greatest? He thought he had him over the barrel because there were 613. So Jesus chooses one and people are going to come back and well, what about this and that and things like that. So he really thought he had Jesus stumped here. And Jesus said to him, 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important commandment. So let's just break that apart. What is the evidence that you're truly a Christ follower? Well, Jesus says the first commandment is you've got to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You see, to become a Christ follower, there has to be a point in a person's life, and, and maybe if you're struggling with salvation, there's got to be a point in your life when you say, I want God more than this sin. I am willing to, to repent of my sins and turn from that and turn to God because I, I, I want that relationship. If you are a Christ follower, you say, yeah, I know I did that. I remember responding to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. I remember calling upon the name of the Lord. I know I'm saved, but Jim, I'm really struggling right now about my, whether, you know, how my life is and is Christ really my Savior. Well, let me tell you, an evidence is, do you love him? Do you love God with your heart? In other words, your affections. Do you love God more than that sin? You see, a lot of times when people are struggling with their salvation, they say, yes, I'm a Christ follower, and, and, and they, they tell you things, and it says, yeah, it sounds like it, but they're like, I'm still not sure if I'm saved. Almost always there is a sin in their life that they love more than God. They have fallen into sin. They've, they've willfully put themselves back under the yoke of sin. They didn't have to, but they do. And a lot of times when people are struggling with their salvation, A, there's a good question, were you truly saved? And they need to go to that. And B, if you know definitely you are, but you're struggling with it, do you love God? Because John said this is an evidence. Jesus says this is the greatest commandment. You love God with your heart, your affection. You, you want to be with him. Here, here's the deal. You know, a slave has to do what the master says. An employee has to do what their boss says because they need the job. A Christ follower should want to do what God says because we love him. And evidence that you and I are truly followers of Christ is that you want to follow God. That you have that desire to spend time in his word. That you have that desire to pray. That you have that desire to be with him. You know, a true Christ follower, if, you, if, you, if maybe, you know, you, there's been a couple days and, and, and it happens to everybody, you maybe life, you get out, whatever, and you don't spend time in the Word, a true Christ follower says, wait a minute, I need to get back to the Word. I've been missing time with the Lord. I, I've been missing time with Him in prayer. Again, you've got to love God with all your heart, with all your mind, again. This is an evidence that you, you think on the things of God. You meditate on what God is saying. You know, as you look at life, what does God say about this? How do I put this into practice in my life? Love God with your heart, with your soul, and with your mind and strength. Jesus said that is the first and greatest command. But there's another one. Because John says, how do we know if we keep his commands? Jesus said the second one, this is in Mark, said the second one is love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Again, a mark of a true Christ follower is they love their neighbor. Now look, let's just face it. Sometimes our neighbors are not very nice to love. Right? Sometimes they're really hard to love. Sometimes our family members are really hard to love. Because they hurt us, they disappoint us. I know the feeling. Sometimes it's hard to love. I, uh, I kind of, on, on Twitter some, that's just my little vice. I have to monitor my time because it's a black hole, social media is. And so I 
currently, it was this week, having a discussion with uh, an atheist and, um, about Jesus and things like that. And it's real easy, and I see people do this. They get in these discussions, and they just really start, Christians, and they just start coming at people, and they just start getting ugly. I always do the Socratic method. I ask questions. So why do you believe that? Where, and I try to get them to go down to the nub. Where are we going with this? Sometimes they bail on me or whatever. But the, there is a part of me that just wants to go, boom, wake up. Of course, I, you know, but that's not loving your neighbor. Loving your neighbor is sharing the gospel with your neighbor. Loving your neighbor is being kind to your neighbor when you really don't want to be kind. Being, loving your neighbor is, is, is not calling them names. You know, I have to say, and there is a picture on Twitter that is just, I absolutely hate this picture. Just, it makes me literally sick. It's from the 50s, I think. And it's a picture of a church, probably in the South, and in the choir loft is filled with KKK members with their mask on, and above it says, Jesus saves. That is disgusting. Filthy. Wrong. Should have never, ever, ever, ever happened. That's not the gospel. But again, that's not loving your neighbor. The stuff that was done like that, horrible. Would Jesus have done that? Absolutely not. He loved the, the Gentiles. That's what we are, by the way. You know, we're dogs in some way, the way it was called. I mean, but he loved us. He died for us. How dare we do those things? How, it's a horrible blight on our, on our Christianity. In fact, I would even say it's not Christian. Because how can you be a Christian and be engaged in that? It doesn't make sense to me. It's a disconnect. How can you say love your neighbor? But look, we do it in other ways too. You know, uh, pornography is not loving your neighbor. It's treating them as an object. It's what it's doing. And yet so many people are caught up in that. And it's easy to be caught up in that. I get it. But that's what's happened when, we, when a person gets engaged in that. They're not loving their neighbor. They're just treating their neighbor as an object. You, you know, when, we, when, when, when I, I heard a, a thing last night, I had to go to bed. I was getting too tired. But it was one of those dateline things. And again, it was a guy and a family. And they went to church. He was a leader in the church. And it turns out he was living a double life. Bankrupted his family. He conned his wife into believing he had a job out in Pennsylvania, so he was out there seeing his girlfriend. And, and, and he mortgaged the house, bankrupted the family. He at some point felt like he needed to get rid of his wife, so he put a bomb in the car and tried to kill her. That's not loving your neighbor. That's not loving his wife. That's not even loving that lady. It's just using her. Again, Jesus says, look, an evidence here, or John says, the evidence is if you keep his commands. And, and again, I know sometimes we say love God and love your neighbor, yada, yada. But no, th this is it. This is the centerpiece right here. If we can't love those who are different than us, how, how are we going to show the world we're Christians? Really? And, and Jesus said this, to his disciples. Now he did say, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. And I got to tell you, sometimes it's hard to love each other in the church, isn't it? Amen. 
Sometimes we rub each other the wrong way. Sometimes we cut each other. Sometimes, you know, we, we're, look, we're all in here different personality types, okay? And sometimes that, that every, we can get on each other's nerves. But we're called to love each other, all right? We're called to be, and again, that word love, as I shared in Wednesday night in English, it's just love, but there was actually four Greek words for love. And the word love that we most often see in the New Testament is agape love, which is what this is, which is that self-sacrificing love for the good of somebody else. This is the kind of love. It's not just put your arm, hey, how you doing, buddy? It's not that kind. It is a self-sacrificing love. And again, this is what John's saying. So an evidence is do you love? So, so if you find yourself being like, you know, well, I, 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 just, I just love this sin so much, then you don't love God. All right. So you need to check at the door. Do you know him first of all? And if you're really like, yes, I know. I've, re- I've responded to Christ. Yes, I repented of my sin at that point in my life. Then you, you're not loving him right now. Then you need to turn around and love God because, again, you're not giving evidence. You can say it. I need to. Where's the evidence? You can say you love God, but if you call people's names and if you're hateful towards people. Now, let me just say this. Sin is sin. I'm not saying excuse sin, all right? But I'm saying there's a way of still showing love even though a person is caught up in sin. And in fact, when people are caught up in sin, loving our neighbor means that it should break our hearts, that they're caught up in that sin, all right? So again, do, do you, do you, can you love your neighbor? Can, can, can you love each other? I mean, if you're, if you're always at loggerheads with everybody in the church, there's a problem. Where's the evidence? Again, I want to believe everybody in this room is a believer in Christ. I hope so. But I also know that not everybody's a believer that goes in church doors every Sunday. We got to love each other. And again, love God. Again, if you look at Jesus, what he did, he loved people. And, and again, look at what John says. And here's what uh, John says in verse 4. The one who says, I have come to know him without keeping his commands is a liar. And that, that's harsh, isn't it? I know that's not very politically correct. That's what God says through John. You can say, and again, there's that word say, it's all out throughout his, you you can say anything. You can say, I love God, I've come to know him, but if you're not loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, if you're not loving your neighbors yourself, if you're not loving people in the church, you're a liar. Say anything. And the truth is not in you. Again, one of our, uh, our vision statement here at Warren is to become a diverse family. I love that. Diverse family that's united and impacting all people for Christ. And again, our goal is to grow to reflect our community. We want to be multi-ethnic. We, we want to be, uh, you know, we want to have, uh, you know, everybody from different things. We, we want to do that, we, but we all want to be uni- united in sharing the love of Christ with our community. We can't do that if we can't love our neighbors ourselves. And we can't do that if we don't love one another. Remember, Jesus said, love each other as I have loved you. 
And in that room was a tax collector, which was considered the lowest of the low. He loved the tax collectors, the fishermen, the politically zealous. And he even loved the one who would betray him. And he did it by serving them, by teaching them, by listening to them, by challenging them, and ultimately by giving his life for them. We are called. Here's what John says in verse 5. But whoever keeps his word, truly in him, the love of God is being perfected. It's, it's matured. Whoever, whoever obeys, loves, or, loves the Lord the God with all the heart, soul, mind, and strength, loves their neighbor's self, loves one another, truly in him, God's word is taking heart. And, and again, it's not always easy. I get it. It's not always easy. Because we have a rebellious, sinful heart. And yes, sin's not our master if you're a Christ follower, but sometimes we willfully put ourselves back under the yoke of sin. I get it. We all have done it. But a true Christ follower won't stay there. A true Christ follower say, whoa, why am I down here slopping the hogs? 